Are you offering your clients the experience they really want? Or are you offering them what you think they want? Join hosts Laura Gregg and David Partain from FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds as they talk with a variety of industry experts and advisors, just like you, about their latest industry research to help you develop the flexible mindset you need to rise above the crowd. Hello, and welcome to the Flexible Advisor Podcast. I'm Laura Gregg, and I am joined with my co-host, David Partain. How are you doing today, David? Hello, Laura. I am doing well, and it's a beautiful day here in Chicago, and I am so happy to connect with our next brilliant guest. <laughs> I am as well. And as our regular listeners know on the Flexible Advisor, we are always looking to invite guests that will provide unique insights and actionable ideas for advisors that want to fine-tune or grow their businesses, all while deepening those so important client relationships. And we're really going to focus on deepening client relationships today. You know, I knew I was going to appreciate our guest today uh, when just a minute or two into our prep call, she mentioned her firm's director of first impressions. Now, many advisors might have said our receptionist or the gal out front, but really the director of first impressions is such a powerful title for a role that truly is important for every firm. It sets the tone for people that walk through your doors. And I found our guests, I read an article written by Barbara Healy that was published in Investment News a while back. And as I read that, I knew that we needed to have her on the Flexible Advisor, David. And fortunately, one of our colleagues, John Jordan, is uh, one of our business development executives, and he was working with someone at Allworth Financial and was able to connect me. So Barbara is with Allworth. She's a partner and a senior financial planner and has been there for about 17 years. Allworth, if you're not familiar with the firm, is an independent investment financial advisory firm, and it specializes in retirement planning, investment advising, 401k management with a direct approach to financial planning. Allworth was named by Barron's as one of the top 100 RAA firms and by Investment News as one of the best places to work for advisors and by FA Magazine as the fourth largest growing RIA. Barbara has a passion for delivering an exceptional client experience by truly getting to know her clients and understanding their passions. And we are delighted to have you on the show today, Barbara. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Barbara, I'm so glad you could join us today. I'm hoping that you can kick us off by telling us a little bit about your story, about your role at Allworth Financial, and about the firm's fast growth trajectory. Sure. Uh, thank you for having me. And as you mentioned, I've been with Allworth for about 17 years and an advisor in the industry for over 27 years. And I, someone asked me a while ago, what, why did you pursue this industry? And maybe it's different than a lot of other advisors would have come up with. I was fascinated at how people save money and what they consider a spending priority, you know, where someone else might call it frivolous. It's just fascinating to me where they they put their priorities. And the psychology behind money and the choices that we make is interesting to me. And I look back and although that's still a passion, you know, all these years later, 
there are other passions that have grown from that. And probably the best is connecting with a client and you bring in a client and they're, they're cold and a little, you know, crinkly on the outside, not warm at all. And then you just slowly warm up that relationship and, and build that. And that's, I think the secret sauce. Um, All worth growth has been phenomenal. We manage 14 billion uh, in assets and 15,000 clients. And we have offices in every region uh, in the country. And our growth has been astounding. We've added 18 partner firms in the last four years. And we're founded by Scott Hanson, Pat McLean, who's, you know, local, local advisors, whose focus has always been on education. And to, they believe, and still to this day, they run the firm this way, where it generates a more empowered client and rewarding relationships if clients understand what's going on. So we have a lot of educational content that we create in-house and webinars and videos and articles and podcasts and retirement checklists. And what should I do before applying for Medicare? You know, these are checklists that people need to know and they have nothing to do with investing, right? But it's other pieces of their financial life that if we can help them with, that's that extra resource, if you will. Um, And you'd mentioned some awards before. Yes, we're you know, 100% fiduciary advisory firm. But probably the best award that we're most proud of is National Business Research Institute. You probably know it by the the initials, NBRI. And they conducted a a client survey and we won a best-in-class designation and our net score places us amongst some, you know, respected brands. It's impressive, but What's most impressive in in these years, especially the last four years as we brought on other firms, is we haven't lost the culture. And I don't know how we haven't. I don't know why we haven't. Mm. I think it's because everything changes and and especially the bigger you get, well, how can we be the same? And but just having that ownership that each advisor feels to respond appropriately with their clients has been a gift. They, they've really focused on that and having still the, you know, the company picnics and the, well, we can't say Christmas party anymore, but holiday parties and just, just those connections in small ways and how we treat each other. Uh, it's frowned upon if it's not dealt with in a positive way. Mm. That's, I'm, I'm fortunate. Well, first off, congratulations for all the success. That's really wonderful to hear. And second, you talked about lists and my wife gave me a list of stuff. Did she happen to get that from Allworth Financial? Is that <laughs> what, what I have to get done this weekend? No, but Laura has said it before and I'll echo it. We are passionate about learning how to create an exceptional client experience. And we really believe as you do too, that is the cornerstone of true success. So one of the first statements that you made in your byline article was this, and I'll quote, I long ago learned that one of the very best ways to organically increase assets under management was to treat clients as I would my dearest friends, end quote. So tell us about what that looks like in practice for you and Allworth. Yeah, in practice, yeah, how do you, how do you implement that? I mean, it sounds good, but how do you implement it? And it, it shows up in the math for sure. First, I was really surprised when I came here 17 years ago they encourage us to send clients gifts. So they call them just because gifts. So no particular reason, not send at Christmas, not send at Thanksgiving. In fact, it's better to send it, you know, throughout the rest of the year. And I think it shows two things. First, that we care, right? And secondly, more importantly, that we're listening. So a trip to Italy, 
right? How many of our clients, they go to Italy, this is just their bucket list. And instead of just accepting that, we ask, well, what are you most excited to see? Is it Florence or the Sistine Chapel or the Vatican? Will we send them a book on those things or Tuscany, right? Um, there was another scenario with a client there. A lot of our clients, unfortunately, are going through chemo, right? So we send them a, and, and they get cold when they go through chemo. Mm. So we send them this really nice fleece blanket oh, cool. from Amazon. I mean, it's a whopping $31, right? right? And in different colors, you can choose the color you want. And it has words written in uh, cursive, which younger advisors don't know what that is, but it's written <laughs> where it says friendship and love and warmth and hugs and all these words are all over the blanket and it's very positive. And that's, those are the gifts, right? But the, the other pieces that's nothing to do with a gift really is just showing up. And this, this really uh, was impactful to me personally. I don't want to get choked up on this. It just happened this summer. Um, uh, a woman about my age, uh, she lost her husband. And maybe it was relatable because she was about my age, right? And she, the husband who passed left behind two young teenage daughters. And that's, that's tragic at that age. That's very confusing to the girls. And um they were having a, a service, a celebration of life, and it was outside during the middle of a heat wave. And um, I had hosted, I, I told her that I couldn't go because I wanted to, but I couldn't, I was hosting my mother-in-law's service the day before, also in a heat wave, right? But I decided to go and the client was so surprised I was there. She just, we just hugged and as I was holding her, I could feel her breaths getting deeper and deeper. And she, she I just told her just, just breathe. And she didn't want to let go. And um, she emailed the next day, first thing in the morning and thanked me for the hug, not for being there, but for the hug. Right. And she didn't realize, as she said, how much she needed to just breathe. And she says, I'm going to work on that now is just breathing. So it's, you would have done the same thing. I mean, this is nothing unique, but it's just being attuned to those opportunities. And I had every reason not to go, right? I had my own family thing that, but I had one reason to attend. And that's because she was having a harder day, a much harder day. Oh, and, you know, how do we know what's going on in our clients' lives? A lot of clients ask that, how do you connect with them? I said, well, it's not, by talking about market data, that you sure don't connect that way. It's, I find it my job to find ways to connect with them and understand them on a personal level. It's, it's proven out in the numbers that it makes for sticky relationships. Because at the end of the day, you run into how many different advisors have you guys met over your careers? You and, you and Laura, uh, right? A lot. Thousands, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So you know there's some good advisors out there some really good advisors. So how do we make sure that, that we're making that connection to, to be different than so much of what's out there in the industry? You know, Barbara, I'm reminded of the, you know, the, the phrase it's about how you make them feel. And while I'm sure uh, you deliver great returns, competitive portfolios and all of those other things, it's about how you make them feel. And that, I truly believe is the stickiness 
to relationships. It is because don't you think there are a lot of other advisors that can put together just as good looking of a portfolio as we do. And I don't have any ego attached to say that we're better than absolutely everybody else. It, it's, you know, there are a lot of good ones out there, but it is, it's that connection. And the younger advisors we have, they're figuring that out early. And yeah, I think that's, that's it. And that's the way it is in life anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, so I don't mean this with any negative connotation, but, you know, the ideas you outlined in your article and the ones that you just mentioned, they, they don't seem like difficult things to do, difficult practices to implement. None of it's rocket science. Yet I would say, unfortunately, most advisors out there are just not putting these small things that have a big impact into practice. And I'm, I'm just curious why you think so many advisors don't do these simple things that can be so foundational in retention of clients for the long term. Yeah, that's a good question. I think first, they may not think they have enough time uh, for that extra handholding, or they may feel awkward asking those deeper questions. And to me, it's not awkward, but but that that could be the reason. And to your point, it's I think of it as a way to protect your future business. So if I can feel confident in my relationship with these clients and they're going to be around in 20 years, I feel that making that investment in time now is, is going to pay off in the long run. It's, it is, it's about math, really. And it's a way to build the client base with the existing clients you have. And every advisor who's listened to your podcast knows that it's less expensive to keep the clients you have than find new ones. Uh, that's so true. And I, I'm curious. So you, you talked about the, the explosive growth with Allworth and new advisory firms coming in. So are there processes and best practices that you've developed at, I'll, I'll say the corporate level, I'm using, you know, air quotes there, but that other advisors are encouraged to adopt by you? I mean, I, I know that one of the tips you mentioned in the article was offering to speak with your client's children about their money. So I'm someone that has three children between 17 and 21. <laughs> oh and my. That offering so resonates with me, Barbara. You know, as a parent, they, they started caddying at the local golf course and we mandated 30% goes into um, their savings and they, nice. they call it the mom tax because I make them put it into a <laughs> savings account that they don't have access to yet. In fact, I was talking to my 21 year old who's still in college and he was trying to express why he needed access to that savings account. And I said, you're not until you're off the payroll. And so, you know, graduate college, get a job and it's yours. And hopefully you've learned the value of, of saving. So I'm curious, like, you know, what does that look like in practice? What's the reaction of the clients when you offer that service? And, and what other types of those services do you offer? Yeah, and we have, that's a good question. We have not done any formal education session for children or grandchildren of clients. And I think, especially after COVID and just the way the younger generation is, I think if we did it virtually, there would certainly be some traction. And we just haven't taken that on. But 
we found that the, that the success has come with each advisor in listening for those opportunities to help the children. So if a client mentions, you know, I ask them about their kids and take notes as to the kid's name and how old they are. And they say, you know, their son has a new job and I offer to review their 401k options. And it takes so little time. I mean, how much time does it take to review for a 30-year-old who should be 100% stocks essentially, right? Unless there's some reason not to. And they appreciate that we're helping their children maybe more than helping them, right? As a parent, you, you certainly must understand that. If something does, someone does something amazing for your, your kids, you're just so touched by oh, that, yeah. right? So the other thing we've done is when the kids or grandkids go off to college, we send them a duffel bag or some type of swag with a college name or mascot. So they feel all proud, you know, at 18, I'm going off to college and they have their, their bag and, you know, it just makes them feel good. And the kids, oh my gosh, the parents are, the kids are beaming, but what we've done for that relationship with the parents, they look at it as so thoughtful. And again, has nothing to do with investments. And the reason I think all this works is, and maybe the, the method behind the madness, it's a way to solidify the relationship between meetings, right? Every interaction we have, an email, a phone call, a Zoom, an in-office, it's an opportunity to build a sticky relationship. And I don't want them shopping or thinking about another advisor between our meetings. And we want clients making good decisions about our relationship when we're not in front of them. So I really want to go back to the gift idea for podcast hosts. Isn't that what you said? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I said. <laughs> so, uh, but seriously, on this podcast, we've obviously featured advisors doing some really cool things for their clients that are in transition. And you've talked, you've touched on that things such as helping with financial literacy, of course, budgeting and prepared for life on the other side of that change. Do you have any specific tips or even small actions that you would recommend for advisors that they can take to help their clients during these difficult transitions? Yeah, David, and what many advisors may do uh, may be different, and I'm sure some great ideas have come out on your podcast, but here's how we look at it. When there's a transition, be it divorce or loss of a spouse, those are probably the biggest thing mm -hmm. that, that we encounter. Clients' emotions are heightened, and every... I mean, to the point of raw and their brain literally has just been in shock, right? So they, every client's going to approach it differently. Some come in and with a list of questions and, okay, one social security is going to go away. I know that, but what's it going to be? What about taxes? What about budgeting? What about, you know, financial planning options? Am I going to be okay? That's the ultimate question. Others, they're just overwhelmed emotionally. And they just need a simple conversation. They need either a literal or uh, figurative handholding. And either way, I think we need to listen to what the client needs. So my suggestions would be give them space. Let them talk. Let them control it. Um, ask if they have a support network, a family. And that usually they perks them up and they feel really good about maybe church members or family or neighbors that they say, I do have the support and that lifts their spirits. And with their brains going through such a shock, we just have to go at a different pace and, and turn the tables and put yourself in their shoes. And aside from the obvious, like you had mentioned, David, discussing budgeting and spending and 
taxes and updating beneficiaries yeah. um, and trust. Probably the most important thing we can do is just ask, how are you? And then just be quiet. Let them talk and give zero advice. You can't give advice on how they are, but advisors will want to talk over that. And I, I, I think that's a bad idea. We just let them let it go where it goes. And if it goes 20 minutes, it goes 20 minutes. And think about this. Everyone has given them an opinion on how to manage their future, Mm. right? Whether it's a divorce or loss of a spouse or something, everyone's given them their opinion. And I would say, do the opposite. Put your pen down, lean forward, and just listen like a friend. And they, as you had said, Laura, it's how we make them feel. We made them feel empowered again, just by not saying anything and letting them talk because friends and family, you know, have, have given them maybe almost too much advice. And I, I would imagine that as you let them talk throughout that, they, they probably in many cases come around to what do you think? And so where they're asking for your opinion rather than sure. you offering it first. Exactly. Yeah. Well, agreed. Good point. And that, yeah, yeah, I suppose that gives them a sense of empowerment. And Laura, we had, my wife and I had a friend who lost her husband in her forties. And she just said she was inundated with people who knew exactly what to do with her money. So it, it is, uh, you're, Barbara's right. They just, it just comes at you in waves and it feels like it, doesn't, they don't really care. They just care about the money. So I I think that's great advice. You know, in, in our prep call, Barbara, you talked about being a fiduciary for your clients and, you know, the need to justify the fees that you're charging them, of course. Um, But you also talked about how you feel that you should also be justifying the relationship that you have with them and that it needs to be a meaningful one. And I I just love that statement. And I'm wondering if you could elaborate on that just a little bit. Sure. Um, The approach comes from next to family, our own family, our immediate kids and parents and and distant relatives even. There are two aspects that are very personal to us, our health and our money. They're very private and they're, they're, they're personal and they're deeply emotional and both are equally sensitive and obviously should be approached that way. So, I mean, think about it. When we go in and see a doctor, there's a reason we get frustrated with a doctor's bedside manner. And we're almost thrilled when a doctor has a good bedside manner, right? It's so much data and we want their knowledge, of course, but sometimes, you know, just a little handholding or just a, a hug or a something makes a big difference. So the same, I think is true with money aside from one's health. Um, And as you had said, Laura, earlier, it's how we make people feel. And we have, I think we have to remember that we address clients' real life questions. And that is so much of what's kept me in the industry all these years. Should I pay down my home or increase savings? Should I do a Roth conversion? When should I start Social Security? How should I structure my trust? Um, I have a, a child who you know, as a substance abuser, how how do I manage that? These are nothing to do with investments, but they're the real life questions that they feel they need a confidant in knowing that we know them and we know the family all these years. And 
I think it's important that advisors remember what we do makes a difference. And I would imagine some of those discussions are very difficult. You used as an example, the child with the substance abuse problem and, and to know that they can feel comfortable in sharing that and that you can help them not fix their child, but fix how they're going to manage the, the fiscal part of that must be extremely meaningful and appreciated. Agreed. I just had a conversation with a client last night and she just said, Barbara, I'm taking out some money from my trust. I just want you to know why my daughter's been in an abusive marriage for 10 years. We're going to get her out and buy her a home. And then when they sell the home, they'll, you know, repay it. And, you know, at that point, you can't make any judgments as to why this daughter's in this marriage or there's nothing to do with it. You just need to be there and let them know what the tax implications are, let them know how this will work mechanically, and most importantly, just empathize. Absolutely. So let's veer off course a little bit here and, and move from the client to your staff, other advisors uh, within Allworth. How, how is it that you find advisors that are a good fit for the culture that you've built and are trying to keep at all worth? Are there certain questions or things that you put them through to, to try to find that out? Yeah, that's a good question because this industry is as unique in its population of advisors as what is out there in the country, right? So you'd think, well, let's hire this certain kind of person. Well, then you get one way of thinking and not every client thinks the same way. So we have to, we have to diversify that. And every advisor we found has, has added a unique strength in their own way. But ironically, we've had so much success with hiring college interns. We've probably hired, oh gosh, I want to say maybe seven by now. No, probably eight. One did not work out. It was very quick quickly realized that he was just simply not telling the truth on things, but uh, got rid of him really fast. But we've had so much success with these guys that come in before they're, you know, when they're still in college and teach them the business. And because of that, we have a deep bench and we work with them hard. You know, we work them hard, I should say, and teach them financial planning principles and how to speak with clients. They sit down on meetings. They do a lot of the back office uh, technology, which of course they pick up, pick up on so quickly, right? Because they're in their twenties, and that part is easy for them. But it saves the advisors, the senior advisors, a lot of time if the analytics can be done by them, and they learn how to how to speak with a client and what the next steps would be. And they're what's amazing to me. I just have a passion about these younger. Well, they're not kids, but they seem like it to me. But their their learning curve is stunning. What it took most of us in the industry 10 years to learn, they learn in two. And it is such a fast trajectory. And example of that, every year, I, my husband and I travel and, um, you know, it's, it's uh, cheaper than having kids. So <laughs> we go overseas to some far flung country and every year I disconnect. And I told my boss years ago when he hired me, I said, you know, I, I, this is really important to my husband and I. I didn't say it was a deal breaker, but it started out as two weeks. It's now up to a month. Fantastic. But 
Yeah, this advisor associate. So first they're an intern and then they become an advisor associate. Um, it, once we make sure that they're not showing up with any inappropriate, you know, substance on their breath or <laughs> anything else, make sure they're real legitimate. And they, what they do when I'm gone, because I'm completely disconnected, is they receive a copy of every incoming email I receive. They manage it. They direct or, it, or, or direct it rather to my service partner um, or respond to the client. And if they're not sure how to respond, they will uh, reach out to a senior advisor. I mean, we have not found any rogue advisors. Mm. And the grammar and spelling of these emails are top notch. The first time I did this, I said, wow. I mean, you guys know what it's like. So when you respond to a client, they have an issue. First, you want to empathize. Then you want to provide a solution. And then uh, you want to say, you know, let me know what else I can help with. You can't teach this stuff, right? And it's just very easy to read, very conversational, doesn't need to be high tech. And that's been really successful. And some of these guys have become advisors very quickly. They're polite, they're respectful, they're driven, and they're decent people. And if we can see that, the clients can. And one advisor asked me, well, in, in another firm, how do you, how do clients feel about a 20 something sitting in on your meetings? And I say, oh my gosh, they love it because they remind them of their own children or grandchildren. They take an interest in what they studied and how they think. And why do all you millennials, why are you all into Bitcoin? Why do you wear loud color socks? <laughs> all these mm -hmm. things that these millennials do that they, they don't understand, but they they love the opportunity to maybe influence these kids and their, their faces just light up. Like one was getting married recently and they were so, or had a child and they're, they're, they love the opportunity to help influence these younger kids. And it reminds them of their own family. So it's, it's really worked surprisingly well. So I, I'm going to add a little data to that, but um, we have, as you may or may not know, I don't recall if we talked about it, but we do a lot of research here at Flexures uh, of investors and advisors. And, and we've done a lot in diversity, equity, and inclusion. And on the consumer side of that, we've been told time and time again by high net worth consumers that they expect diversity in their advisory teams and they wanna have a relationship with all the members of the team. And, and for so long, so many of advisors, just as you were talking about, would tell me I would never parade all my green people in front of clients. There's no way I would do that. It's too much. They don't want it. It'll make me look bad, you know, whatever the excuses. But, um, you know, we have found just the opposite. So I, I'm glad you're putting that into practice and, you know, seeing the benefits that that can bring. Well, you just see it on the client's face and, and that they're engaged and they, they're almost emotionally taking them under their wing and truly happy for them. So that yeah. is fantastic. Yeah, that's interesting what your research shows. And then I'm curious as an English major, where do you find these people that write so well? <laughs> <laughs> I keep saying it's it a lost like start. <laughs> Well, it is. And especially as we hire people who are just out of college now, they're, they're just, they grew up on texting and they don't, well, somewhere along the way, they learn there's an appropriate time to text 
and there's an appropriate time to have a business email. And maybe they're learning it in school. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if we have them take a written test because the, the grammar, and I'm just a nut about spelling, and the fact that that has uh, served them well, maybe we weed out a lot of them because we do have them take a written test. That's fantastic. I, I think, I think we do, yeah. Well, our time really flies by and that's no different today. And so as we close, we always like to ask our guests to leave our listeners with some actual takeaways. And what would you say to those naysayers that may think that, okay, some of those, these extras you spoke about are not really worth the time and expense. In fact, they believe that if they, all they do is create a quality financial plan and say construct competitive investment portfolios, they have delivered on expectations. I thought the same way mm. when I started in this business with a large wirehouse 27 years ago, that my knowledge, the very good reputation of the wirehouse firm uh, with whom I was working and the fancy tools would convince clients to trust me. And what I didn't realize is that made me a well-trained vendor huh. and I don't want to be anybody's vendor. Mm. And uh, then a senior advisor pulled me aside uh, the large wirehouse and explain the way affluent clients think, just what you were saying before, Laura. Yes, tools and plans and data and well-constructed portfolio give the advisor credibility, of course, but connecting with them as a trusted confidant is critical. So when the client wants to tell me that their daughter is in an abusive relationship, she's never told me that. And I've worked with her for most of the time at Allworth, but she wanted to tell me that now and felt comfortable with that. Um, when you have that, when you are looked upon as the trusted confidant with your clients, that's critical. And when the clients are gone or one is gone, let's say, you want them picturing you taking care of their spouse and children. And in fact, when clients are considering working with us or another advisor, I tell them, if you can picture the person you're speaking with as an advisor, taking care of your family when you're not around, you found your advisor and it shows up in the numbers. The advisors just within our firm who take the time to listen for opportunities to connect. And they're the ones who are most successful, meaning the highest AUM and um, the highest retention rate. It, it just becomes math. That's great. Well, thank you, Barbara. And it has been a real delight to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Your questions were great. And thanks for, for sharing this. Yeah. It's great. Well, if you are an advisor and would like to know more about Allworth Financial, just visit allworthfinancial.com. That's A-L-L-W-O-R-T-H financial.com. And of course, the link will also be in our show notes. If you like this podcast, you may also like the other FlexShares podcast called Funds in Focus. Check it out today and you'll find it wherever you get your podcasts. For myself and Laura Gregg, we want to thank you, our listeners, for joining us on today's episode of the Flexible Advisor. Thank you for listening to the Flexible Advisor podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds or Northern Trust. All investments involve risk, including possible loss of principal. Before investing, Carefully consider the FlexShares investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. 
This and other information is in the prospectus and a summary prospectus, copies of which may be obtained by visiting www.flexshares.com. Read the prospectus carefully before you invest. Foresight Fund Services, LLC Distributor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Although we attempt to keep the information complete and current, we do not warrant that the content herein is accurate, complete, or current. We make no commitment to update the content herein. It is your responsibility to verify any information before relying on it. The content of this podcast may include technical inaccuracies. We may make changes in the products and or services described herein at any time. We provide you this information with the understanding that we are not rendering accounting, legal, or tax advice. Please consult your legal or tax advisor concerning such matters.